Eli Drinkwitz made a coaching decision against Boston College that left me completely apoplectic. Plus, what is the main culprit with the Missouri run defense? All this plus an analysis of Connor Basilak's game on Saturday and more right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And indeed, that was an exciting football game to attend, no doubt about it. My father and I had a great time in Boston. Unfortunately, the ending of that football game could have been a lot more satisfying, am I right? But you know what? Thanks once again for making me your first listen of the day. And I have a piece of advice for you. If you happen to be a St. Louis Blues fan, make Locked on Blues your second listen of your podcast day. But I tell you what, I want to start off this program actually with a decision that Eli Drinkwitz made at the end of the first half, because to me, there's no real explanation or excuse for this. Now, I've seen a lot of people questioning Eli's use of his timeouts at the end of regulation, where Boston College was driving the football, continuing to own the line of scrimmage and run the football down Missouri's throat. Well, a lot of people thought Eli should have burned his timeouts a little bit earlier in that situation. I tell you, there's there's an argument there to be made. You, you can say he could have taken a little earlier. You could say maybe he did it at the right time because, well, guess what? Missouri executed very well. They still had one timeout left. Ended up getting a 56-yard field goal, obviously. What an unbelievable kick by Harrison Mevis. How good is he? Is he going to miss a kick at some point? I assume he will, but at this point, I'm expecting anything from 56 on in to be good at this point. But, it, but that gets me back to Eli's decision at the end of the first half. You see, Missouri actually forced a 4th and 17 after a sack with 52 seconds left. That was when the Boston College quarterback was on the ground. 52 seconds. Missouri still had one timeout remaining and yet chose not to call it. Now, to me, what is the argument here for letting the clock run? That's my problem. Obviously, my argument is simple. Okay, call timeout. They're going to kick a 49-yard field goal here in all likelihood. And then you give your offense approximately maybe 50 seconds to go down and get a field goal or possibly a touchdown of your own. But instead, the clock winds all the way down to 10 seconds. Boston College makes the field goal, and Missouri has literally quite, po- quite, quite literally no time left to do anything with the football. So they take a knee and they go into halftime. That's just co- coaching malpractice to me. There is no argument there. Again, it's fourth and 17 in this situation. It'd be one thing if it were fourth down and one. I would understand it there because guess what? If it's fourth and two, fourth and three even, I'd understand it. Because the way Boston College has ran the football on your defense, yeah, you can't have any faith in them stopping there in that situation. So you would potentially be helping Boston College out with that timeout. However, if it's fourth and 17, 
You're telling me Boston College was going to go for it there potentially when they had a 49-yard field goal attempt? I just find that utterly ridiculous. That that was never going to happen. And guess what? If they were going to bring their offense out on 4th and 17, even as little faith as I have in the Missouri defense right now, I'd have dared them to do that. Please, tr- try that 4th and 17. We'll, we'll take the football when you turn it over on downs, more than likely. So, again, Drinkwitz, there's just no excuse there. You've got to be better using your timeouts. We can argue about the end of regulation, but the end of the first half, there is no argument. He was just wrong. Now, to be fair to Eli, after I just spent the first few minutes of this podcast kind of ripping him a new one, the guy is an absolutely amazing offensive play designer, especially in the red zone. Well, Missouri had its problems last season in the red zone. Well, so far, they score virtually every single time they get in there. And I mean by score, I mean they get a touchdown. We all know Harrison Mevis doesn't miss field goals, but fortunately, they haven't needed him very much in the red zone. The execution by Missouri in the red area this year has been excellent, and that's you got to give Drinkwitz a ton of credit for that. Now, you're not going to get 100%, 90%, whatever Missouri has been at this year forever, but clearly this isn't a coincidence. There's been some really good play design and obviously just good coaching up of your players to get them into these situations to be successful. Been really impressed with what Missouri has done in that situation in particular. But of course, it's hard to be impressed with the Missouri defense right now, especially the run defense. So what is the biggest culprit of that porous run defense? Well, I want to get to that, but first, let me get to something else, and that's our friends at Prize Picks, who are really, this company is a better way to play daily fantasy. It's made easy, quite honestly, and if you're a college football maniac, if you like to show your knowledge in that particular sport, well, really, Prize Picks is as good as you're going to get, because they have all types of props on the star players of the Power Five, but of course, a bunch of mid-major players that also might pop or not. Yeah, you can go under too. I know. It doesn't feel good to bet against college kids, right? But that's psychology. You might want to think about that. (laughs) Generally speaking, unders are more successful than overs. Just think about sort of the betting bias there. But hey, that's just my advice. Again, don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code locked on or go to your app store and download prize picks today. Now, after going back and watching the Missouri Boston College broadcast, I definitely got a better perspective on the game. Now, we had a great time at the game, but being down in the Missouri section, the lower corner of the end zone. It was certainly tough to see certain things. Number one, I couldn't really see how Missouri was doing on its defensive line. You had to assume not great, right? But when you're not getting that sort of broadcast perspective, well, you're just not getting as much of a perspective on who's winning the line of scrimmage. Now, by the results, we could definitely guess it was BC, right? But once you go back and watch, to me, the biggest problem with Missouri defensively is far too often their two interior defensive linemen are getting pushed off the football. That was certainly the case against Boston College. 
Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of times the linebackers are getting outside of their gaps. They're being overly aggressive at times. Sometimes the defensive backs are taking bad angles. It's not perfect. There were multiple guys who missed tackles on that first touchdown drive, the 65. It was a 98-yard drive, something like a 60-yard touchdown run by Boston College there. Multiple missed tackles. So there's a lot of blame to go around, but to me, the biggest problem right now, Missouri's just a little bit undersized, especially compared to the big boys of the SEC, but even to, you know, a team like you know, an ACC squad like Boston College, certainly Central Michigan had no problem pushing Missouri's interior linemen around either. But especially at those two spots, the one technique, the three technique, the two guys on the inside of the Missouri defensive line, and also at linebacker. You know, we've talked about this before, but Blaze Aldridge just a bit undersized at that spot. But to me, it all starts Right at the point of attack, you just saw the guards and the centers moving Missouri's guys back, especially on that broadcast perspective, just over and over and over again. I don't know what what scheme you do to to stop that. I know Steve Wilkes certainly made some adjustments in the fourth quarter. I mean, Missouri was playing eight guys on the line of scrimmage at times. And you saw, listen, it definitely slowed down the running game to some extent in the fourth quarter. But late in the game, you also saw Ennis Rakestraw kind of get beat off the line by Zay Jones a little bit for a touchdown in the red area. And, you know, I'm sorry, you just can't expect your defensive backs to play one-on-one with zero help the entire quarter. Eventually, somebody's going to get open, especially a guy who is as talented as Zay Flowers. Now, let's talk about the quarterback a little bit. I have to say I'm a little bit surprised at how negative some Missouri fans are on Connor Basilak right now. Is Connor perfect? Of course not. But the irony is, is while... Certainly, the Alex Smith comparisons have been thrown about. A lot of people perceive that Connor Basilak is a check-down Charlie, not exactly somebody who wants to throw the ball deep. Well, ironically, his two worst decisions of the football game were deep passes. So perhaps Connor's just playing within himself when he's taking those check-downs, when he's moving the chains. See, that's the thing. Explosive explosive plays are great, but quite honestly, if you're going to say, if I have to pick between an efficient offense or an explosive offense, if I can only have one of the two, well, I'm going to pick an efficient one every single time. Now, obviously, the final pass, let's, let's focus on that. Let's lead with that one. The final pass, Basilak through the final snap of the ball game. Obviously, Missouri's first snap offensively in overtime, Basilak throws an interception. Well, my whole thing is I just think that was a misread by Basilak because while Kiki Chisholm, by the way, played a hell of a ball game and an absolutely great must-have catch on the final drive in regulation, by the way, Chisholm played a really nice ball game. But So I understand the decision to maybe get him isolated on the, on the right side and take a chance. I get that. But if it's not there, it's not there. And if you look at the snap of the ball, the defensive back for Boston College was at least eight yards off the line of scrimmage. So he's in, he's in some type of zone. He's in some type of off coverage, basically. 
Now, if that defensive back, if he was in some type of bump and run look or trail coverage, something like that, and there was no safety help over the top, I would have lived with that interception. I really would have. If that guy would have made that spectacular of a play to whip his head around and make the play, well, I think you live with that. That's not a 50-50 ball. That's more like a uh, maybe 50% chance we catch it, but maybe a 10% chance that the defender catches it. Well, to me, that was more of a – the ball that Basilak threw was more of a true a 50-50 ball in that maybe Kiki had a shot at it, but boy, the defensive back, again, playing off coverage – he had plenty of space. He also had – he was in a zone, so he's got his his eyes toward the quarterback, toward the football. He's seeing that ball the entire way. He doesn't have to whip his head around and find it at the last second if he's in tight man coverage. So to me, if you're Basilak, you just got to recognize that the shot isn't there. That's his first read, fine. It's not there. Perhaps Daniel Parker was was open down the left seam there. Gabe DeArmond certainly seemed to think so. But you just can't do that to me. And you know what? Connor did have another decision on a deep ball that was certainly suspect as well. I want to talk about that as, as well as, well, a bit about my experience in Boston, especially at the game. But first, let me tell you about another one of our fine sponsors, and that is Sweat Block. And believe it or not... I could have used some sweat block at the BC game. It got pretty darn hot. It was supposed to be 70 and overcast. That's what my fancy iPhone app was telling me. But no, I and many of my cohorts were definitely sweating in that football game. Well, if you don't want to sweat, get sweat block. The doctor-created, doctor-recommended wipes that work for up to seven days per use. Their dry shirt guarantee of sweat block can't keep you dry, well, guess what? You, my friend, will get your money back. But I'm pretty confident this stuff is going to work for you, and you'll be confident anytime you wear your favorite gold Missouri t-shirt. So if you or someone you love is dealing with this type of problem, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon. Or CVS. And by my friends at Built Bar, who this week have a limited time flavor, the Cookie Dough Chunk. So go to BuiltBar.com to check that out and their other occasional limited time flavors. But you know what? If you're an original, don't worry. Whether it's cherry, coconut, mint brownie, Built Bar has you covered. There's truly something for everyone. But regardless of what suits your fancy the most, these bars are high in protein, low-cal, low-sugar, low-carb, all-tasty, all-healthy. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Once again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So the first interception by Basilak in the first half, Connor was looking deep for for Baird Bannister down the left side. And, you know, one thing I noticed and we talked about before is that Tyler Beatty is such a dangerous player right now that just his presence in the flat of a defense can take a lot of pressure off of a downfield passer. In other words, 
that holds a defender because Tyler Beatty is so dangerous. That has to hold a flat defender there. Well, in this case, the flat defender eventually just abandoned his responsibilities because it didn't really look like Beatty was very much in the play there. So he drops off of him. But really the problem was, I think, actually that Basilek got lured a bit into a false sense of security because Boston College wasn't rushing a lot of people particularly, and Missouri was doing a very good job in pass protection, despite the fact that one of their best offensive linemen, Case Cook, missed the game, obviously. But unfortunately, I think on that play in particular, again, I think he may have been lured into a bit of a false sense of security because, well, he was just holding onto that ball just a little bit too long because Barrett Bannister came open. That thing's just got to come out on time because sometimes you hold on to it a little too long. Those open windows close. Guess what? Defenders have eyes and instincts too. And if they can feel an open space, well, they'll close it. So just Connor just needed to pull the trigger there faster. I think that was the biggest mistake there. And finally, you know, as devastating and annoying as it got to watch Grabo, Garbo, excuse me, Gabo, Grabo, Gabo. Sorry, that was a deep Simpsons reference for some of you out there. But but seriously, the Boston College running back, just watching him run over Missouri defenders over and over again, as demoralizing as that was, I actually found it more demoralizing when the Boston College quarterback scrambled for first downs or kept it on read options. Because again, as I said in my in the lead up to this ball game, Missouri couldn't afford to let that guy scramble. They couldn't afford to give him easy first downs on third and eight. To me, one thing I'd be asking myself if I'm Steve Wilkes, should I have maybe spied that quarterback a little more, at least emphasized to my defenders, if you're on the back side of the play in particular, you need to stay at home. But you know what? When you run a, a one-gap, quote-unquote, type defense that emphasizes your defensive linemen shooting up the field, well, you can you can make some big plays with that. You can get some sacks with that type of technique, but you can also let the quarterback get outside of the pocket, too, and you're also vulnerable to misdirection, that kind of thing. But to me... For as much as we could criticize Steve Wilkes, and he certainly, I'm sure there's a lot of things he would like to do differently after four weeks. To me, Missouri just on the defensive side of the ball just has much more of a talent deficit than they do any type of scheme deficit or anything like that. Because I've seen Missouri change a lot of things up. They've put more guys in the box. They've brought pressure at times from different spots on the field. I'm not really sure what else they can do other than perhaps... Honestly, maybe just simplify things and just sit in a base defense and just make sure we don't make the huge mistakes that we've been making. Like on that 98-yard drive, Boston College's first touchdown, super long run, just multiple, multiple mistakes by Missouri on that particular play. So maybe it is time to simplify. I don't know. Steve Wilkes would know better than me. But I tell you, once again, Thank you for joining me on this program. I really appreciate you all making me your first listen of the day. Once again, if I were you, definitely check out Locked On Blues and check out Locked On Bets as well, where they're on quite the winning streak. So 
If you like to be entertained and you like to make a little money handicapping, well, guess what? Your boy Q, Lee Sterling. Follow Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts for free. So until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Masood. Thank you.